BPM. I'm Speech Thomas from the hip-hop crew Arrested Development. On the new VPM podcast, Track Change, I take you behind the walls of Richmond City Jail, where I help four men record an album and hear how they're trying to break free from a cycle of addiction and incarceration. Been so long since I've been free. Subscribe to Track Change and your podcast app. Witness Docs from Stitcher. I'm Kadada Williams. This is Seizing Freedom. Over the course of our series, you'll hear firsthand accounts from African Americans who defined what everyday freedom meant during the Civil War and Reconstruction. Historical archives don't always paint a complete picture of a person's life. With the exception of a few lengthy autobiographies, the stories we have about African Americans from these eras are most often snippets from newspaper articles, or letters without context, or testimonials given in court, or interviews conducted and translated by government agents. But even when the ins and outs of someone's whole life is a mystery, we know from the records that do exist that the Black people in our show played a defining role in making freedom real. So in these character spotlights, we'll introduce you to people whose stories we weren't able to include in full, or at all, in our narrative episodes. It's important that you meet them and hear them tell as much of their stories as they can. Susie King Taylor was born in Georgia in 1848 to a long line of strong women who believed in and fought for freedom. My great-great-grandmother was 120 years old when she died. She had seven children, and five of her boys were in the Revolutionary War. She was so old, she had to be held in the sun to help restore her vitality. When Susie was little, her grandmother sent her to a secret school for black children to learn to read and write. Susie often forged passes for other enslaved people, giving them more freedom to move about, including to visit their family. About this time, I'd been reading so much about the Yankees, I was very anxious to see them. I heard my parents say the Yankee was going to set all the slaves free. Oh, how those people pray for freedom. I remember one night, my grandmother went out into the suburbs of the city to a church meeting, and they were fervently singing this old hymn, Yes, we shall all be free. Yes, we shall all be free. Yes, we shall all be free. Yes, we shall all be free when the Lord shall appear. The police came in and arrested all who were there, saying they were planning freedom and saying the Lord in place of Yankee to blind anyone who might be listening. Grandmother never forgot that night. This was the last meeting she ever attended.
1862, Susie's family fled to Fort Pulaski in Tennessee. At the Union camp, she demonstrated her reading, writing, and sewing skills and was put to work teaching children whose families escaped slavery and were living in the camp as refugees. She was 15 years old, but already part of a network of Black women who advanced freedom and supported the war effort even though they couldn't enlist. There are many people who do not know what some of the colored women did during the war. There were hundreds of them who assisted the Union soldiers by hiding them and helping them to escape. Many were punished for taking food to the prison stockades for the prisoners. Eventually, Susie mustered out with the 33rd U.S. Colored Troops. She worked as a nurse, laundress, teacher, cook, really doing anything that needed doing. I assisted in cleaning the guns and used to fire them off to see if the cartridges were dry before cleaning and reloading each day. I learned to handle a musket very well and could shoot straight and often hit the target. I thought this great fun. I was able to take a gun all apart and put it together again. Though Susie served the Union Army, risking death, capture, and re-enslavement every day for four years, she was never paid a dime. At the close of the war, my husband and I returned to Savannah, a number of the comrades returning at the same time. A new life was before us now, all the old life left behind. After getting settled, I opened a school at my home as there was not any public school for Negro children. I had 20 children at my school and received $1 a month for each pupil. I also had a few older ones who came at night. That same year, Susie's husband died. She had to give up teaching when a free school opened nearby and took all of her students. She went to work again as a laundress and eventually moved north to Boston. In so many ways, Susie's story is remarkable. Her autobiography recounts at least three harrowing near-death experiences in shipwrecks. She describes standing up to white Southern men after the war who refused to let her ride in the same train car. In other ways, Susie's story is pretty typical. She was a black girl, then woman, with an idea of what her own freedom could, and should, look like. And she went after it, for herself, for her family, and for the future. I must say a word on the general treatment of my race, both in the North and South in this 20th century. I wonder if our white fellow men realize the true sense or meaning of brotherhood. For 200 years we had toiled for them. The War of 1861 came and was ended, and we thought our race was forever freed from bondage, and that the two races could live in unity with each other. But when we read almost every day of what is being done to my race by some whites in the South, 
I sometimes ask, was the war in vain? Has it brought freedom in the full sense of the word, or has it not made our condition more hopeless? In this land of the free, we are burned, tortured, and denied a fair trial, murdered for any imaginary wrong conceived in the brain of the Negro-hating white man. They say one flag, one nation, one country, indivisible. Is this true? Can we say this truthfully when one race is allowed to burn, hang, and inflict the most horrible torture weekly, monthly on another? No. It is hollow mockery. I may not live to see it, but the time is approaching when the country will again have cause to repent for the blood it has shed of innocent black men, for their blood cries out for vengeance. And I hope the day is not far distant when the two races will reside in peace and we will sing with sincere and truthful hearts, my country, tis of thee, sweet land of liberty, of thee I sing. To hear more from Susie King Taylor about her time embedded with the Union Army and her journey from being a secret student to a professional teacher, check out our episodes on enlistment and education. Susie King Taylor's story is excerpted from her autobiography, Reminiscence of My Life in Camp with the 33rd U.S. Colored Troops. She was voiced by Rochelle Claiborne. Seizing Freedom is a production of VPM and Witness Docs from Stitcher. The show is researched and hosted by me, Kadada Williams. It's produced by Joshua Moore, Ronald Young Jr., and Lushik Waba. Sound design and mastering by Jacob Lewis of Great Feeling Studios. Music composed by Dan Burns. Additional music from Blue Dot Sessions. Editing comes from Camille Stanley, Kelly Jones, and Gavin Wright. Our executive producer is Ed Ayers. Steve Humble is VPM's Chief Content Officer. You can find links to the archives and more information about this series at SeizingFreedom.com. You can listen to ad-free new episodes of Seizing Freedom only on Stitcher Premium. For a free month of Stitcher Premium, go to stitcher.com slash premium, select a monthly plan, and enter the code FREEDOM. VPM. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.